Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. Hey, Laurel. <laughs> hey, Jessa. Would you like to introduce our guest today? Yes, we have Gayani Weerasinger, Wira right? We were a singer? Okay. Yeah. Getting better at it. And um, <laughs> Jessa, how do we know Gayani? You know, I was actually thinking of that. I was like, how do we know Gayani? Um, <laughs> I think we were first introduced to you through Isabel Wynn. Yes, and right? David, David Farron. That's right. Yes. So we were introduced to you through Isabel, and you had just, like, coincidentally, I think, had just interviewed David Farron on your um, YouTube channel. And as we've talked about probably on every single podcast, Dave is the founder of Tory Project and our mentor. And so as we like to say, the stars aligned. It was like the perfect timing for us to meet you. And we were told, oh, you need to talk to Gayani because she is She's an attorney, but she like comes from a place like, you know, a conscious approach to business. And we're like, what? An attorney does that? We're like, okay. <laughs> and then we met with you and we just kind of had a meet and greet to talk about what you did. And you have a really interesting background. So I'll, I'll stop talking shortly to let you explain it. But as part of that meeting, we're like, oh, we actually need your services for business. And we realized what you did and things we needed. And so we ended up for um, another company engaging with your services and it's been uh, really nice to work with you so I can confidently refer you and vouch for your services at this point and uh, not just a referral but yeah it's been really great getting to know you and as we'll get in the podcast it's just you know it's it's fun working with people you like and can connect with <laughs> so welcome yeah so can you give us a little bit of um, background I think because you have such an interesting story, like you didn't just go to college and become uh, go to law school after. Can you give us kind of how your career got started and what ended up bringing you into law? Yeah, so um, it's, I took the scenic route to come to law and I took you, I'm still on the path of like entrepreneurship. So um, just to introduce what I do, I'm an intellectual property and business law attorney. So I do all transactional. I don't do litigation. I do intellectual property, meaning trademarks, copyrights. I am a patent attorney. Um, I do licensing, creating benefit corporations, uh, you know, COPs and LLCs, all of that, partnerships, agreements, all of those things that a startup or entrepreneurs need. Um, I took the scenic route, like Jessa said, because, well, I said, but Jessa was referring to, is that because I initially, when I was growing up, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I know I'm South Asian, so you're thinking, okay, of course she wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> but it's part of it actually because I grew up, it's not my parents or anything, honestly, it's because I grew up with asthma and I was always like, I, ha I was, had pretty bad asthma as a kid. So I will end up in doctor's office at the hospital a lot. And so that's inspired me to go into medicine, except I realized when I, um, at some point in, at, after undergrad, that I really don't like being at hospitals <laughs> and the <laughs> medicine isn't the right path for me. 
But same time, I was very fortunate. I went to a school district in Los Angeles School District. I went to a magnet program, which is specialized. They don't exist anymore, I think. They're more charter schools now. But the idea is that you kind of like, if you want to go into medicine, you could go to a medical magnet. So I went to a medical magnet. What it allowed me to do is start, um, you know, rotating with like hospital to start in 10th grade shadow doctors. And then I, in my 12th grade, I started doing research at a UCLA Drew Laboratory cancer biology research as a high school student. And that got me into biomedical research. So when I decided I'm really not going to pursue a career in medicine, I went into the other side, which is biomedical research. So um, I was in there. I was actually in a PhD program with Johns Hopkins University for uh, six years. Um, in my fifth year and my fourth year committee meetings, I was told by my committee, I'm looking at a nine, ten year PhD. <laughs> You know, like uh, the people who are listening, they're going to be like, whoa, but it depends on the program. It depends on the topic. So I was doing genetics with animal models. So that take longer. Uh, the, at the time, the average in U.S. was about seven to eight years, seven years for wow. biology PhD. So it was a little bit above, but not that much. But I just at that point, that was 2008, 2009, I knew I didn't want to be in a lab because my personality didn't, <laughs> like I like all interaction. I'm not a like a person who liked to be just at the bench and just do my experiments. So mm -hmm. I knew I was going to go into consulting probably. That was the path I was thinking after I finished um, PhD, but then of course the economy crashed yeah. and um, I was looking at, okay, well, if that's not the case, what can I do? And I definitely didn't want to be in DC area anymore because I was sick of, I grew up in Los Angeles. I missed the nice weather. So uh, the options were go to business school or go to law school. And at that point, I was told that he had inspired to do things. Um, I kind of was very interested in law because I think there's, um, you know, there's a good tool to empower yourself. So I decided law school and came, and I always wanted to live in San Diego. I was drawn to San Diego ever since I came for a visit here as a, I think, a school trip in junior high ah. <laughs> to La Jolla, right? Who wouldn't want to live in La Jolla, right? So, right? so I decided to move across the country, move back to Southern California, and uh, came to law school at California Western School of Law. And, um, you know, I decided, you know, I wanted to um, live here and I wanted to, like, I prioritize working, um, getting work experience. So that's my kind of a scenic route I mentioned. I could go a little bit of into my experience, but I want to have this uh, interaction, not just <laughs> audiobook on my life. So uh, let's yeah. get to questions, you know. Why did you choose... Like, what path in law and why? So, um, it's funny. Uh, well, it's not funny. So, um, there's a <laughs> couple, couple of things that inspired me. In 2008, 2009, 
when I was making that decision, something I haven't really talked publicly about. So this is one of the first time actually talking publicly on a public forum is um, I had experience in uh, graduate school where I had a, my my lab um, head of my the lab I was at actually um, sixty five year old man who hit on me and basically said. Wow that I, <laughs> so yeah, you're getting this lie. So it, I had to switch labs because it wasn't a, a place for a graduate student. This was in 2008, 2009. This is earlier, I started grad school in 2004. Um, so this is like 2005 and I switched labs. I lost two years of my lab work because of this whole problem. And I think for the longest time, I didn't talk about it because there's a judgment involved. And it was very vulnerable and there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of things that goes, you know, people like, I think, um, you know, Christine Blasey Ford coming forward like two years ago was kind of an enabling, empowering situation for a lot of women who've been at a similar situation. So um, I'm kind of now saying it because I think we need to, as a society, hear it and take power, but it's up to the person who went through the experience when they're gonna discuss it. So I, this year is honestly been the first year I actually said this is one of the reasons why I got burned out from, um, you know, in the program because PhD programs are tough. They're yeah. not like lost. Um, sorry, I dropped something. Um, I they are, they're a little bit tough because they actually what they does is you have a committee, you have a um, um, you know board exam, but your committee decide when you finish. It's not how like law school. So long story, that was in the my background. So I was already kind of in a disempowered position where I felt like I needed to take my power back. Yeah. And then I was looking at this leaving this, um, you know, lifelong commitment I made and a commitment I program. I like I decided I'm going to leave in my fifth year. But I by the time I left is already six. Um, you know, I took a terminal master's. And the so that's, um, you know, part of the reason why I decide on law is to take my power back. Now, coming from science, having been in science all my life, and I do have um, 12 publications in peer-reviewed journals uh, for my original research. Three of them are first author. Those are like bragging rights for scientists. So yeah. I will share. So if you go to my LinkedIn, you will see all of that. Um, so what happened was I, you know, I came to law kind of thinking I'm going to work on women's rights. Mm -hmm. But um, what once I got to law school, even though everybody said, go to intellectual property, go to intellectual property, people I spoke to about IP, we call it IP, so intellectual property, um, they made it sounds kind of really boring. So I was like, oh. I don't think I want to do that. Like, I, I'd rather go do women's rights. So, but once I got here, I realized I'm way too passionate to be in the objective observer. And in the law, in a way, you can, you need to be objective to argue. 
the other side because you had to uh, argue um, if you're writing a brief or if you're presenting a case or whatever you're doing, you had to see it in a neutral point so you could see both sides. And I wasn't really neutral in this subject. So mm -hmm. in the meantime, I got an opportunity to take a summer program at Germany uh, intellectual property, biotech, intellectual property, and business law in Germany, summer, summer there, I got a diploma from that program. So I thought, okay, this is like synergistic. It's like things coming together, align, alignment. Yeah. So I went to that program, loved it, loved the, uh, what I learned. And I was like, okay, I could totally see this because I figured I could donate my time, not donate my time, donate um, money to causes like Planned Parenthood, but I mm -hmm. could still be in this, uh, you know, space supporting entrepreneurs and like sustainable businesses. So, so that's where I am at. So that's a little bit of a story and an exclusive. <laughs> yeah, well, we thank you and honor you for being vulnerable and, and sharing that with us. Because, you know, we all have particular experiences that kind of shock you into a transformational change. And I, I'm I'm really glad that you mentioned some of the emotions that you felt. Because, I, you know, I think a lot of people can identify, especially if you're entrepreneurial, you can identify when you get angry and frustrated. Because it's oftentimes when you feel like you don't have control over your destiny or your life, or in your case, your PhD program, where you have to submit to a committee who's in control of the time and control of the message and everything. It's when you take that power back, um, do you still feel, do you still feel the anger or do you feel like going through law and taking that power back has, has alleviated that, that deep hurt? I feel, I feel completely empowered at this point. Mm -hmm. I, it, it was a journey. I don't get me wrong. Like it's still a journey, right? There's even steps like the fact that I'm talking publicly was not until 2020 or something that happened in 2005, 2006. So um, I'm getting an echo. Are you getting an echo? I'll put myself on mute. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think in um, empowerment, I, I got into mindfulness actually because of um, law school and I didn't pass the bar exam the first time, I have a lot of test anxiety issues. So, and there was some incident that happened first time I took the bar. And the way I process stress is by going to the gym. I'm a gym rat. So, but it doesn't work when you have to take a three-day exam <laughs> each day and you're sitting in this huge civic center in San Diego and you're like with 400 other people and 400 other stressed out people who are like doing random anxious stuff who are because they are, they are in this testing. So, um, you know, after there was that incident that initially caused, like there was a, it was even reported in 2013 at the bar, it was like somebody who had, had a medical emergency. So it like disrupted the exam, exam clock doesn't stop for anything. So that ramped up my text anxiety I had anyway. So, and the second time I went to take it, I didn't really address my anxiety. I, I just thought, oh, well, I'm only like this. You need 1440 to pass at the time. I was at like 1420, 20 points away, like from the, 
right? Like that close. So you're like, oh, I will get it. It's fine. Nope. Like go back in to the same location. I had to say it's like, you know, talking about like post-traumatic type of like event. So I realized once I failed the second time that I will have to actually um, do something different. Um, so, and I went to a hypnotherapist who also taught me how to meditate because the, and my brother, who's actually a medical doctor now at the time was in medical school. And he reminded me what I knew as a scientist, how your stress hormones work, how you work. Like when you get stressed, when you're dressing and in a situation, you go to your flight or flight response. And that really is start shutting down your prefrontal cortex. So prefrontal cortex is what you use to process like very sophisticated questions, you know, that we need to answer for like multiple choice. Well, if it's shutting down, you're in a flight or flight, you're using your primitive brain. <laughs> so, so long yeah. story, I got into mindfulness because of that. It helps to like kind of bring you back into your body, uh, take your nervous, um, your stress response out and relax you into the moment so you could actually focus on what that can. So, so that's yeah. how I got into mindfulness. Yeah. That is Thank you for... And I, I mean, it's been a, it's, I had to say I've been through quite a few things. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm happy to be talking about it too, because if there are one person who listened to this and feel, okay, you know, like you still could make it and make it better, your life, my quality of life, how I live, have gotten so much better after I started all of this and some of these things had to happen for me to actually have that motivation to do something different, you know, change my behavior, change my thought processes. So, so that's what I would share in that space. Yeah. I think it's wonderful that, and it's interesting because like you said, some of this is like an exclusive and some of the stuff that we haven't talked about with you though, so I'm really excited that you're sharing this for so many reasons and, you know, going back to your experience, you know, with your, and uh, your PhD program, like, I think that's something that so many women deal with on different spectrums of what one perceives as like severity where so many people just brush it off and they say, Oh, this is just it. Or this is just part of being a female in the workplace. And so I have not talked to one woman ever who was, who has not had some experience like that, like some, and obviously, like I said, I mean, some are more traumatic than others for various reasons, but it's just, it's, it sucks. And it sucks that you said you lost like two years. And I just think, I just want to like really drive on the point that this happens to a lot of people. It should stop happening. And there's some really awesome, like male advocates for women's rights and treating women correctly. Oh, yeah. So, so I just, keep doing it is what I'm saying. Like I shout out to those men and to the women speaking up on their experience. So it like letting people know, like it's not okay. Oh, allies are huge. I am so grateful. Like, honestly, I have amazing, um, you know, I'm like men in my life. So I'm not like, you know, like putting anybody in a, any kind of a category. There's always bad actors, but mm -hmm. it should be fine 
uh, gender or uh, type, you know, and I do think it's important to have these open discussions because I do also think when somebody share this kind of information, it's not, they're not trying to accuse somebody or anything. They are more of a way of sharing. It's that my intention here to share that is to say to people who are starting something or looking for a way out, they are not happy with where, what they're doing right now, is that, you know, sometimes your path might be rocky and you might feel kind of tired. I had those moments where you feel kind of like, okay, I'm so tired of like these challenges, but then things happen for a reason and you could like looking back at that time um, about the bar exam or the others, they, you know, they were trustful. I was very sad. I was unhappy. I was like distraught at points, but at the same time, I, those places led me to today where I am at and I have I love what I do right now <laughs> and I, my life, like quality of life, my happiness, my confidence, all of that have been a, in the trajectory of increasing. So I look at those incidents almost as the universe course correcting. And in a way, um, you know, this is where the consciousness coming, come in to look at a zoom out. And once you're going through something, you may not be in the space to see that. So give it time to you. I'm a huge believer in compassion for yourself, being compassionate about, you know, just giving a pat on your back saying it's okay. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I, I love it too. And yeah, and I was also going to say thank you for sharing about your like struggles with the bar and the anxiety because, you know, looking at you from the outside is like, okay, obviously you're extremely intelligent successful, you know, PhD or almost PhD in science. And then just, oh, I'm going to do law. Now you do law. It's like, oh my gosh. And then you hear about, no, like this wasn't an easy path. I just overcome these challenges and this is how I dealt with it. And for me, I mean, I talk about anxiety. I have the worst anxiety. And so I always love when people like talk about it and like the fight or flight and the prefrontal cortex and your stress hormones. Cause it's like, no, this is like, real science behind it. Whereas, yeah. you know, years ago when I had anxiety and people weren't talking about it as much, you know, it's probably like 15 years ago. They're like, well, just, just relax. Just don't worry. I'm like, Oh, thank you. That's great advice. Okay. Let me write that down. And so I just love again that you just took charge of the situation. You're like, okay, like I'm acknowledging it. It's like the self-awareness coming into play. Like I can't just ignore it and suppress this. So what resources and options do I have to like, you know, we talk about like leaning into it, just like that going against the grain and how do you work with it? So I just, yeah, I thanks again for sharing that because I think it's so important to hear that it's not, you know, this linear trajectory. Oh, absolutely not. I feel like we try to put a lot of things in a linear perspective, but when you go into consciousness and become more self-aware, you're doing meditations. I meditate probably a few times a day, not just once. Um, it's just that's how I am these days, especially we are taping this in August um, 2020. We are in the COVID time. <laughs> so hopefully you're watching this out of COVID time. But even this time have been given us opportunity to kind of um, go within more than being with other people, right? So I'm one of those people who network a lot. I meet a lot of people and I'm a 
I'm an extrovert, introvert kind of person where I need my time alone. But I'm when I'm at an event, I'm like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, like let's connect. So I do think um, this has been a very different shift, and but it's opportunity too. So I think it, your mindset does matter, mm-hmm. and but it's not easy to change mindset and if you're kind of hearing this something and you're not at a place to hear the the uh, what we are saying that's okay too but um you know like i you know if i if, if i go back to myself in 2005 2006 and i hear this interview i probably wouldn't hear this message right now how i should be grateful for the things that happen, I would be really angry. I, I'm going to be that person in the gym, which I was at the gym with my my boxing gloves on and hit, hitting the crap out of like the boxing bag uh, at the valleys there, um, because that's how I process my energy and how I process thoughts. But you know, now most days I like, I do like walking meditations. I do, I do some workouts too, but I'm a gym star close. So I'm kind of like limited to like, if I want to run outside or walk, you know, so, um, so I, it's, it's a perspective shift. The topic of getting information at the perfect time for when you're ready to hear it is really important. I feel like that's where mindfulness and business comes in a lot because for, for me mindfulness is when I'm able to take my energy level which is pretty high sense of urgency kind of a dominant personality and calm it down and when I calm it down and I I just take the stress hormones down it's clarity like everything just clears up instead of being in this fog of ego and uh, I mean, just almost every day, my ego is challenged um, yeah. in the workplace. And now I'm in a place where I can receive that information with love and compassion. And oh, that's my ego reacting to something. And then if I meditate and just take it down a few notches before responding, then the the choice of love is so much clearer and so much easier and so much better and faster, stronger. If I don't take a second to calm down be quiet, meditate, or have a mantra and work on that, then my reaction is usually something I spend a week trying to fix. Like I've, I've made a bad decision. Now I got to go to apologize to a bunch of people. I got You know what I mean? It's like I got to go clean up the mess for next week. If I would have just taken the 15 minutes and used mindfulness as a business decision-making tool, I would have a lot more energy to spend on other things instead of messes. I do think it's really important to recognize that we still have reactions, you know? I tell people just because you are practicing mindfulness doesn't mean you're gonna be the perfect, um, like perfect all times, you know? You're not, you are gonna respond to an email sometime in out of like, you know, that reactionary email. Um, You may not be able to calm down after you, got a phone call or see something you know and it takes time sometimes like it's easy to talk these things it's a practice like I went to donate some clothes like a week ago like I was decluttering my place so I was like I I went to this goodwill center and the the employee there was a little rude to me 
and uh, she kind of like I don't know what her like day was. I was the first one there, but she had a real like a unnecessary almost like reaction to me when I went drove in, and I I remember feeling like I came from the beach. I went to the beach the first before I headed there before they opened, and it took me like two hours to shift that reaction that came at me, even though. Um, they, because I went to the beach, then I went to the drop off, and she had this like she was had an attitude that came at me. I saw as no reason to have an attitude. Like I was listening to her, but she was very much like a, in a different space. Now I don't know what happened to her, what her background, any of that. And I think what I kept on telling myself is, well, his compassion. It's easy to say that. Is um, and you seem to be compassionate to it. Like I have a kitty, you could, you know, you could find compassion for your animals. They're furry, they're cute. But <laughs> when somebody do something that you feel unjust, like you yeah. didn't brought it on, it takes time to move that out and say this is not about me. That's person to for me. I don't need to take it in, you know. And I would appreciate you saying you saying that because. I think last week I responded to an email pretty quickly with a response that I felt was like, like clear and just like get yeah. to the point and just like solve that and move on to the next thing. And then the reaction I got from the other person on the other end was total confusion. Like, so I went in going, oh, this will clarify and only brought more confusion. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I, I beat myself up a little bit. Um, like for a few days I was kind of, I was mean to myself for causing confusion. And then, I don't know, I had like an ego hangover and it, I kind of spiraled for like a good week. But the, the med bringing the meditation in um, helps me get to the conclusion a lot faster. Exactly. And if I don't do that, then my journey is exhausting. I usually involve Jessa as my sounding board. He's all you know, listen to me, you know, and it's just like, it, it escalates. Whereas if I would just take that time, um, I can process reactions a lot smoother. Well, I do think it's important to have your like tribe, right? Like my sister, she's an attorney. She also, uh, she also do business line state, um, state and trust. Um, and I had to say, I'm so grateful that she's in my life. Because as attorneys, we have new challenges and we are in a conflict-driven field. So we are always kind of, even for somebody like me who does transaction, transactional law, they are still I'm interacting with my colleagues who does litigation. So there's all sorts of personalities, all sorts of issues that comes up. And I think having that, like somebody you could go to and say, hey, this happened, I wrote this email and this is the confusion I created. Now I'm in this like muddy waters. How do I like, what do I do? It helps to just speak it out loud. Oh, like having a good friend. I have a couple of really good friends I go to and just say, hey, you know, like I can we chat because I'm having a really tough day. I can't get out of my head. Like, because if we are in our head, we are not dropping here. and literally like some of the practices you know sometimes cannot bring you down it's like uh, even if you're trying to meditate so there are days where i will like i'm like nope not gonna go that's gonna happen and you walk away because you're like okay i'm now being super judgmental like it's adding to that so i think 
I think if you could laugh at it at some point, or if you have some good music that you love, there's like, I have music lists that I could play usually. Uh, there's come some shows I used to watch uh, that like Frasier, I love Frasier. <laughs> so, but, and Friends, and both of them went out of Netflix, so I don't have access to that anymore. But, you know, there are things you can do. You need to know that's your tool set, I say, for entrepreneurs out there who are like, because entrepreneurial life is always kind of, uh, or business life is stressful. It's part of being human. So I think having, building that tool set is part of mindfulness too. Like learning about more about yourself. Like, can you go take a cold shower and calm down? Would that yeah. help? Because sometimes it does. It's like, check you out, right? Oh, can you go to the walk with your dog? Would that be the reset point, right? Like, so, like knowing what can work for you can be, and having that awareness really helps. It, it's and go ahead. How do you, how do you take this, like this approach to mindfulness in your life and apply it to business? And because when you hear law and mindfulness and like consciousness, it's, uh, yeah, not words that typically go together. And so like, how do you work like this with the clients and the type of clients that you work with? So I have, I think the his way, like having done this practice for now, I started in 2014. I've been an attorney now for six years. So um, I'm, you know, like I think seeing what I do is I, it's, it's a mind shift, right? So you're also going into abundance mindset. You want to like kind of like embrace abundance. So I don't take every client who walks into the, the door. If I think if they are, they are better served with somebody else, I will tell them so and I will connect them. If they look like somebody that one of my, like I have a huge network of attorneys I know. I'm very active in the attorney network in San Diego. So I, if they are served with somebody else, I will refer them. If I don't know somebody else or their personality is like, I don't want to send that person to my friend, uh, you know, because that just seems like, you know, they're super. So I, I kind of sometimes leave, let them have the referral number. Sometimes it's because I don't know. So if I give you a referral number, it's maybe because I don't know somebody in that field. Or sometimes it's because I think, okay, I'm going to let the universe decide who this client's attorney is. And so that part of it, taking that, and then also connecting with entrepreneurs, kind of letting them know how I do things. My communication style is tend to be like Jessa and I, we work together since you said it, I will just share that part. Usually attorneys don't discuss who their clients are. So it's like one of those. Sorry. No, no, uh, uh, the client can say it. You know, so, so, but, but once you reveal, it's like, okay, now I could talk a little, obviously not about what we did, but you know, but it's just about the teaching. Like I like to teach when I do something. So my YouTube channel is about that, about teaching you what the trademarks are and what, so educational process, like what these are, how you do things. So if you're a client who are in a rush and you don't have 10 minutes to spend with me, probably not the good, 
attorney from uh, you know i'm not your attorney because i need a client who's gonna collaborative style who's willing to take the time because they're building something and i want i'm a partner in your business building that business than versus somebody you just send a check to so and there are plenty of attorneys who do that too and that's their style so you had to figure that out so learning the client style and also letting the client know what the, my expectations are. So that's part of it. Um, you know, so those are a couple of the things I do. I, <laughs> because, you know, we go into our intuition, sometimes I will have a gut feeling. And um, if I'm, my gut is really said this is not the right client, sometimes I will say, you know, I don't think I, I'm the, you know, I might say something else and refer them to somebody just because, I think there's always like partners, you know, there's abundance in that sense too. So, you know, you had to trust that there's a better client for you, like for attorney world, like I'm not trying to compete for every client out there because that's not what I need. I want clients that are in like alignment with what I do and my practice and my style. So I and think- again, it's it's like the mindset of like saying no to something allows you to say yes to something else. Yeah. And keeping that space open and trusting the, that space is open and that you are not looking at it as, Oh, if I don't take this client, I'm not going to have this, like there's a potentially I'm making this much money on this, um, this matter. So I shouldn't say no, because that's a lot of money. No, instead looking at it that no, even a better client can come in because I'm not busy dealing with a client who's super trustful and now taking my energy out of whack. <laughs> you know, I'm having to spend so much time bringing it back to alignment. So, so I, I think, think that is so <laughs> critical for people to really hear and resonate with because especially right now, like you said, this time, like during the pandemic, there is like that fear of scarcity. Yeah. And so, so, so many people are so quick to take on these clients who suck your energy and your time instead of, like you said, saying no or turning down them where it's not a good match for either of you probably. And then you create space for the people that are a good match and that don't have that energy drain on you and your resources. Absolutely. And I think... And I'm not saying I need every client to be in a mindfulness place. They are not. I have clients who are not like, you know, at least I don't know. But they have like, but I get them. I understand their side. I understand their, they kind of like my style. So we connect. So long as I think if you're somebody who's grounded and who's kind of, because people are grounded, they may not even be aware that they're that kind of personality. So, so, but that's what I mean by energy, because you don't have to be a practitioner. Some people are like naturally good at being just chill or like being, even if you're somebody who's really busy multitasking, but you understand the value of working with certain type of attorney, that's a good client, you know, like well, somebody who. Yeah. And to speak as your client and I'll try and I don't want to get you in trouble. Don't worry, but I won't <laughs> say anything detailed, but, um, but it's that. You know, like I said, we had, we had like the luxury of meeting with you casually and I was like, oh, this is the type of person I want to work with. And now from meeting with you and you walking me through things and teaching me, because I'm always the type, especially with legal stuff, and this is terrible. I'm like, whatever, it's good enough. That's when my like good enough mindset is probably 
best to put aside. <laughs> but it's that when I was walking through things and you were kind of helping me think through the what ifs and some of the strategy and like that makes me a better entrepreneur because now I know that and now I know why I need to care and why I need a lawyer and legal counsel for some matters. And I love the teaching aspect of it because it's, it's just going to help me in my career. And it doesn't mean I don't need you. And I think that's another thing people are a little fearful of is like giving away too much information. They're like, oh, they don't need me anymore. And it's like, no, it's not that at all. Now I can work better with you in the future. And that's why I, I honestly tell people sometimes if I don't have the time, because we do have fluctuating schedules and work deadlines, I will say, you know, there's a video on my YouTube on this. I Why don't you take a look at it? And then when we have a chat, we could chat at a higher level. We could at least chat from a, you had some background there. So then you, if you ask me questions, I'm happy to walk you through it. So I have a flat trade model, um, which is not what a lot of attorneys out there do, but there are attorneys who are coming about that are doing flat trade, project trade. So, um, so I'm not billing every six minutes what is what some of the firms are doing at traditionally. So every six minutes is a point one. So if you read an email, respond to an email, that's a point two to point three. That's how you get billed. And, um, you know, and that's their style. And it's recognizing that's not me and that's not something I enjoy. And so I could take the time. And like if I do something with you, work on a, some kind of a project, I, I allot that time to my consultation time, but also I understand you're entrepreneur, so I'm trying to be reasonable with my time, valuing my time, but also valuing um, where you are at and knowing that you're building a relationship. So, so like there's these things that goes into evaluation of what I will charge, how complicated the matter is, but I'm I'm very transparent. So I, if I tell a price, sometimes I had like. Recently, somebody I connected with, I told them the process for some project that we're going to do. And then they asked, well, can you give another discount? And I was like, no, because at some point you had to, because if your rates, you consider them to be reasonable. And, you know, at some point you had to like, see, look, I'm sorry. I have my own like bills. Like I've not, you know, so. You, I think that is important too, because honestly, if you're an entrepreneur and you're getting out there, what if everybody's asking for your services for free, right? So it's an energy exchange too. So you have to understand that it's if you're in an authentic place, that if it's not a match, it's not a match and that's okay. And, you know, and value that connection too. Yeah. So you have to really like that. I really like that point because when you do like the, when we've had these conversations many times, when you do the hourly billing rate, it's some people's style and that's how they manage their life. When you come from a place of, when you come from a mindset of abundance and prosperity, the hourly is no, it's not meaningful. It's too transactional. And then it ends up to be a race to the bottom or a request for a discount or those things you mentioned, which are, devaluing the knowledge and resources that you have garnered or amassed over your lifetime that adds and creates something very special with the person on the other end. And that creation of something special is a free flow mutual exchange, not the transactional 
this is where I stop. I've, I've billed you 0.6 for all the emails and I only have 0.4 left in my budget. And I know I have a meeting tomorrow and I know that's going to be 0.5. So I'm already over my budget. And it's like, I just for explaining it to you. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's important to realize, I mean, this is where I say it's, it's, a, it is a, um, you know, this was great about having my own practice because there are certain clients I'm doing work with. And if they tell me, hey, Gayani, this is the only budget I have, but I've been, I like working with them and I already doing stuff with them. Yeah, like I will look at it. I will look at the big picture and I will give you a reasonable, but then my rates, I really do consider they're pretty reasonable. So like at the, so, but after that, like, you know, if somebody say it, especially somebody who's coming to you new and they're trying to like haggle that style, I do think that's a kind of going into the lack mindset and then they probably not the best client for me, you know? Because I have, I think if you all the set the baseline, it's like, you know, it's okay. So, and, and like you said, it's years of experience. I've seen this quote somewhere and I forget who it is attributed to, but it's something to the effect that even though if the professional take only 15 minutes to do it, they're charging this much for value for it. They're bringing all that years of experience to that 15 minutes of their time. So, you know, like we have to also, being conscious doesn't mean that you should be just, you know, bleeding out your energy and bleeding out time, right, for free, because in a way you need to value that that exchange because but what you're trying to build is also a business that will have good flow. And yeah. so to do that, I think you need to kind of understand the flow is how you perceive, how you value yourself and how others value you and to be in that alignment. It is, it's a fascinating conversation because you're breaking the mold in the profession because, yeah. I mean, oftentimes I've contracted with attorneys where I'll get like, they their hourly rate is, you know, $650 an hour. And so they'll charge me 0.1 for a phone call we had, but then delegate out all the research to junior attorney and they spend more time but at a lower rate and then when I get an invoice I'm just I'm looking at the people and then I'm equating them to a, a minute increment and I don't feel fulfilled by judging someone on their their time and I don't know that we can go into this you know we can get real deep in that, that realm there's a lot of people that we that that I know and that I work with that view time as a social construct so that we can manage the, the material world in a particular way. And I think when you get to a, a, a level of self-awareness and consciousness and connection with other people, the flow makes a lot more sense and it's actually easier and you're able to do more. Like Jess and I both have like three jobs and people are, are like, how do you do that? And it's like, well, the work that we do is energizing. So it lifts us up and, and elevates our consciousness so that we feel really good being in this flow in this space with people. If you work with clients that are very transactional and they don't align with your your model around abundance and, and prosperity, then you do feel bad and that kind of drains your energy and then you don't have the capacity to, to really give and receive in the way that that business can. And when you 
I, I we believe this that when businesses have a level of consciousness, are purpose driven, and figure out what their flow is, they scale and they attract the clients much easier. And it kind of just goes and it, it becomes abundant. It becomes prosperous. Exactly. Exactly. And I do think, you know, like, honestly, I take it as a sign from the universe that it's just not in alignment. Like they might be better off with a different attorney. Um, you know, they like that's what I see it as, because I think you really had to get into alignment with the trusting how things come together. Like we were talking about how the stars align when you are open to like um, have good collaborators, good business partners. They do come in, but you have to try, like kind of put out that order to the universe kind of the idea, right? So I think having a conscience, like doing the conscience work that we do and learning, I'm a, I'm a, you know, lifelong learner. I love learning new things. So I think consciousness for me is a tool I've been like using to kind of expand my own um, life and my own, you know, mindset, honestly to see beyond what we were taught, you know, see beyond the chatter of like people saying, this is the only way it can be done. You have to build this many hours if you want to be a good attorney. You have to do this kind of work or you have to have an office in a place. I mean, COVID just broke that mold for everybody, right? Yeah. Like they showed that we don't need to be, some of us does, but it kind of showed a lot of other people what they can do if they could organize in a different way. And they, it, believe me, I get it. It's challenging. 29, 20 is not, um, you, you wish you'd, you, you were like thinking you wouldn't miss 2019 until you got to 2020, <laughs> right? So, so you're like, okay, well, you know, but it gives you that opportunity to reevaluate and to see for for our listeners what would you define consciousness as how would you describe it well so that's a tough one because i think it's like a abyss almost like i think it's um so i i see people who uh define it as i'm i'm still forming my definition on this i would say um you know uh, like and i will use my attorney line it depends <laughs> um, so but i do think consciousness is like working with the flow or the universe or the spirit the higher self you could name it anything what that is but it's a different kind of um more expansive you're trusting not just what you connect with in person but you're almost trusting that something unseen something um you're trusting the unknown as a space of creation almost so i think that's where consciousness is it's a place of kind of almost in darkness where the light is so it is the most beautiful way i've heard it described and i'm <laughs> I've, I've asked many people this sometimes the response is consciousness is or to, to my husband he describes it as all. Yeah. And then I hear you describe it as abyss. <laughs> but it's it's darkness where the light comes through, expansiveness. I mean it's it's just like for me, I think it's just 
this is what I love about mindfulness because I think once you start meditating, you level up. And, and you know, and I, I see it too. And don't get me wrong, it's a practice. I, I say that because I don't want people to start a mindfulness practice and think they are like so much gonna like change in like a week or two. Like you had to keep at it, but you know, it goes from like zero to 16 different ways, not a linear way. So you, you might spend few months where you're practicing, you're not getting anything, you're kind of like, oh, it's the same thing. I did the same thing and I, nothing changes. And then all of a sudden you will sit down to a five minutes meditation. There it is that day. Like you just drop down, you're in that, that expansive space and you spend five minutes in a meditation, but it felt like you're not counting time and you come out of it in very energized bliss space. So, and just because you got there once doesn't mean you're going to get there like the next day if you try the same thing. So that's the other thing I would say. Like, but it's to know that you have access and where you are is okay too. And trusting the process. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really, I, I appreciate you saying that it's not, it's a, it's a practice. And um, it's, that's a good reminder because, yeah, it's, I'm that person. I meditate once, and I'm like, "All right, I got it." Um, like I go to the gym one day, I'm like, "All right, where's my six pack?" But, I know, right? <laughs> um, I one thing I've been it's just like changing the subject a little bit, but I really wanted to check in with you about is that you know, as you as an attorney, you're working with entrepreneurs and startups. What are some common mistakes that you see happening that um, are potential pitfalls and and how they could be avoided? I think, you know, coming from an attorney point of view, and I do have to, you know, as a risk, what we do is we look at risk, right? So I see a lot of people who are, and you have to work with the budget you have. I completely understand. So I'm not trying to say certain things, but if you, you get what you paid for, so you do want to have that mindset. So if you go to a document software system, not an attorney to get your LLC set up, and well, it's you're basically paying for the paper, like the paper template, right? So it may not serve you when you're going to see a business partner. You may not have the so you create a like a business entity to protect your personal assets and um, put it uh, in an entity because let's say you have a house or you have you're married and you are entrepreneur and you decide to set up an LLC to protect your house and your spouse's like income because we are in California we are in community property state so everything counts and something goes wrong with your business you get a lawsuit and now there's a big judgment against your business now you're thinking okay i have an LLC that's fine except you got got you didn't like hire an attorney to and this again little bit of fear this probably will trigger some people when I say this because you're like okay well and I'm not trying to fear manga I'm just trying to just um, bring up the the risk that's there so what that is is in that kind of a case what happens is you're gonna have an attorney at the other side looking at your business deciding did they practice the formalities is there an operations agreement did you commingle the money? Is there any kind of fraud or mis, uh, you know, misuse of your business? So if you didn't work with the advisor, 
you may or may not have that. So that's what I'm saying. So that's where one of the biggest things is you sometimes almost feel like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I only have this much of a budget and attorneys are expensive and I get it. Um, and we also have student loans. So it's like we can't do it for free. So it's like it's one of those like we are not a document system from online. Right. We can't do the same pricing as some other website, let's say. So. But that's the challenge. So you had to risk evaluate. So I think that's one of the biggest ones I see. And then other thing is I, I, I see some people come to me and they're like, oh yeah, like I do all my trademarks myself. Uh, I know all about it. And I'm not gonna tell you, you don't know because I can't tell you what you don't know. Like if you don't know what you don't know, I am not the person to talk to because I need somebody who's have least open to the idea that they may not know something. But if a business owner come to me and they're like, oh, yeah, I do my old trademarks because attorneys are expensive. I'm like, good luck. That's fine. It's like telling a doctor, oh, yeah, I do my own surgery. So it's like maybe sometimes <laughs> it's OK. Like it depends on the surgery, right? If it's a cyst you would like to take something out and probably be fine. But if it's a tumor, you know, so so it's that risk management, right? Looking at what is the situation and, you know, what do you want to spend? Like if you're trying to bring business partners, if it's a company you're going to build that you're going to take to um, IPO, I did a lot of IP due diligence when I was at firms and at the public corporation where I was in-house. Um, you know, what happens is we're going to look at IP due diligence mean, by the way, is you're going to get look at all your contracts, your employee contract, your consultant contracts, how you set up the business. Um, the his, just due diligence, intellectual property due diligence is, of course, looking at your patent applications, your patent claims, um, your trademark applications, what is claimed, copyrights, all of that, licensing agreements. So like business owners get evaluate all of that and they look at what is set up, who set it up, is there enough protection there or, or can they get around it? right like do you need this person as a business partner can you do it yourself because the business structure they set up or the the agreement they have or the patent they file doesn't cover what they try say they have so so i think that's i think the biggest pitfall is sometimes somebody thinking they know something without knowing what they don't know and 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 i think that's a challenge for any professional who's giving, um, doing professional services when somebody come to you and they are kind of dismissive because it's not, it's kind of like if you reverse the role, um, you know, it's like you could see that aspect, right? There's a reason why there's certain training and there's certain, like we are licensed. We are like, you know, there's less certain um, requirements we had to keep up. All of that comes for a reason, right? So. So I think um, just seeing that in that aspect, why you are paying what you're paying is for a reason. So so I think that's what you want to understand, you know, and that's, that's again, like. I like the doctor comparison a lot because, you know, I mean, poor doctors, like how many people come in and are like, and I mean, I'm pointing the finger at myself, is I saw this on WebMD and let me tell you what I think it is. And they're just like, you know, they just have to sit there and listen to you. And they're like, okay, I'm a doctor. <laughs> You're here for a reason. Yeah. 
I mean, they've been through like two decades of a school, if you think about it, four years of med school, then another least three to four years, uh, two to three to four, five, six years of like residency, depending on their specialties. So, and I just like my, my, my brother is a family medicine doctor. So if you really want to drive him nuts, you could go and say, you know, I check online, it's <laughs> what it says. It's, it's just fun to see the reaction. Of course, um, you know, I think it's bad karma sometimes because I get clients who will come and say, oh, yeah, I, I could do that myself. I don't think I need to pay you. I'm like, yes, be my guest. Totally okay. <laughs> like, you know, like if that's what your perception is, I'm not going to try to teach you the value I bring because in a way, if you're not open to hearing it, um, I'm not valuing my time by doing that so that's why i put out the content in like my youtube is it's a way to kind of teach people what is there so maybe they will be open to it and learn but and they're complicated subjects right they are very technical stuff going on behind the scenes of like trademarks or copyrights patterns so you know kind of like yeah. trying to bring that information you know so yeah we feel very similarly. Like I, we've spent, you know, a combined twenty whatever five seven thirty years doing particular things, and then you have other people that are coming and they're like, "Oh, I researched that this endangered species is trapped by this, and then this and this and this and this." So I'm going to go watch a regulator. I'm going to oversee the regulator do it, and it's like, wait, 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 wait. no, <laughs> just trust. Exactly. And I think it's important to recognize we need to value what we do. And that's yeah. not to like scare somebody it's to say, yeah, you bring value. Like my my sister does state planning, right? Now, I saw I was at Staples like last year before COVID and they had state planning documents somewhere, right? Like and but these documents. So that's um, they could buy. So I'm just saying. Well, you know, I'm not trying to say what's in there. I haven't looked at it. But I'm like, if you're hiring somebody or if you're going to the store and buying it, well, do you understand what you're doing? You know, so so I do think it's important to understand the risk you're taking. And, um, you know, so that's where, like, the risk evaluation comes in. And to, like, you know, like, if somebody watched Nature Channel, and they think they now understand how to, you know, like be a wet. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, thank, thank you for sharing. My I feel like we could um, talk to you on the YouTube channel forever and ever. And we've got lots of work to do with you moving forward. So for our audience members, why don't we, uh, why don't you share your three key takeaways, the three point landing that you want everyone to know. I know that there was an app you wanted to mention. Um, yeah. So this is your time. Three key takeaways. So I would say the first takeaway is if you haven't, if you're curious about mindfulness and if you want a um, good resource, it's Insight Timer. Um, I've been using it for um, now a long time, um, at least maybe four years. And they have the reason I like that app is they have tons of free meditations, uh, different timings. Uh, you could do five minutes, 10 minutes, those kind of increments, and they're all free. Um, you know, uh, you could pay a membership and get access to 
even little more stuff like talks and stuff but this part is this part is free they have like 200 uh, practitioners who put out material so if you don't like somebody's voice or you don't like how they say things go find somebody else you have like 200 plus other options right so i think don't give up just because you try one or two. Keep, be curious. Take it as a fun chat, like watching something, but it's for yourself. So that's number one. Number two is when you're, if you're an entrepreneur thinking about taking this, um, doing your own venture, make sure it's aligned with your passion. You shouldn't do it just because there's a need. Um, this, the reason I say that is passion is energy and it will drive you through some of the um, hard times you you may have, um, you know, the days where you don't have that business partner come true or the, that investment come true or you don't get that pitch competition like you didn't win it. If you have a passion for it, you could you have that energy to push forward. But if it's something you just think you should do, Probably not the best way to invest your time and energy. So that's my second biggest takeaway. And the third is find really good advisors and business partners that are in alignment with you, you know. Um, so if this, you know, if this conversation works, like what we were talking about, you know, this alignment, but if it's somebody you watch this and you're like, okay, she's definitely not like the type of attorney I need. I need a hard ass who's gonna, you know, be this like this. That's you. That's the attorney you need because that's your business, your alignment. So, so know that more about yourself will allow you to kind of be a better business owner. So great. True. Great. We probably, yeah, we kind of just had that in like one minute. That's like such, I mean, I, I mean, that in a way of like, those are really impactful takeaways. So thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for your time. We, we love chatting with you. I love being here too and uh, getting to know you too and what your Stellaco is trying to do and doing. Um, you know, I'm so grateful to have connected with this kind of community and businesses like yours because it's like you said, you're like thinking attorneys who doesn't do this. Like, it's good to know they're business partners that are coming into the same alignment. So, yes, agreed. I hope exactly. everyone gets to find their partner that's in alignment because it feels really good. I'm really excited for our future together. Thanks for sharing and send it, Jessa. Thanks for listening and visit astellar.co, that's A-S-T-E-L-L-A-R.co for reference materials from the podcast and to connect with Jessa and Laurel. Foxhole Studios specializes in audio production and can work remotely to meet your audiovisual needs whether you live in San Diego or not. Getting a podcast started? Contact the team at info at foxholestudios.com for any and all inquiries.